And welcome back to the Trenton 365 Show. You can send me an email, trenton365show at gmail.com. Follow me on Facebook and Twitter as well. Yes, on Facebook is Trenton 365 Show. Twitter and Instagram is at Trenton 365. You can always post your events to the Trenton 365 Community Calendar page on Facebook as well. Um, I got a little confused there. There's so many different pages and things going on in my head. I can't wait for my, my interns to start because that's going to free up a great bit amount of my time and I'll be able to connect with everybody a little bit more. Um, whenever I get a chance to uh, sit down with, with Rich, it's always um, it's always a fun time. You know, I've reminisced back to our childhood, riding bikes and playing sports and all the other stuff that teenage boys do um, growing up in Ewing Township. But it's also awesome now to see where Rich is now um, as a professional musician, a third generation musician, um, feet planted solidly on earth. Um, you'd never know um, who my guest is, um, if you didn't know. But uh, without any further ado, Rich Scanella, welcome back to the show. Thanks, Jock. I appreciate it. Thank you so much. Uh, you are so welcome, man. Um, so, what I, you know, I always like to have people like, you know, give a little summary about who they are and what they've been doing. Why don't you do that again? And let's roll into some of the things that you've been up to, like a little bit of background about you first. You got it. Well, you just mentioned um, third generation musician. My dad and my grandfather both played, and I'm trying to carry on the uh, tradition as well. <laughs> and uh, it's been going so far so good I've been playing for uh, 40 years and playing professionally for about 30 years of so those 40 and um, yeah that that's sort of what it is I mean this is what we do so uh, whether it's pickup work whether it's uh, a big tour or whether it's teaching at the local college I teach over at Ryder or um, teaching private lessons which I just came from the, it really to me um, you know it's more about the work and it's about the quality it's not about um, well, you know, how many people did you play to? Um, I love the fact that I could play a theater, I could play a club, like a small restaurant, and then I can go on tour and play a, a huge room. So they're all really valid, you know. It's uh, it's really about the work and, and, and trying to keep the quality high, you know. Mm -hmm. So that, that really takes up most of my time. I mean, kind of juggling those three aspects of the business. And uh, I still record quite a bit. Um, so each, each month I'm doing that. And um, I mentioned just a second ago that I finally, uh, I was teaching at Ryder, but I finally finished my credits. So that felt <laughs> nice. really surreal and pretty crazy. That felt great to uh, finally put that, uh, check that box off. And so that was cool. Mm -hmm. um, so I could just focus on teaching now instead of teaching and taking classes, which I was kind of loaded, bogged down with. But uh, it's been great. It's been great. And I'm, I'm really fortunate to do that. Um, you know, I tell students all the time, um, do it because you love it. Don't do it because you think there's a paycheck in it or there's some other value that you're going to get out of it or something extra. Do it if you love it and you always have that. You know, I've been told that and it's great. Um, it's got to carry you through the lean times, which is mm -hmm. probably going to be more than better times. And if you really love it, keep pushing, you'll persevere and hopefully, you know, great things will come of it. But it's really cool because I'm starting to see that with my students that are graduating rider now. They're going out to the world, doing gigs, trying to do their thing. So it's it's really cool. Mm -hmm. It's really you cool. You know, and folks, uh, this this uh, segment, I'm going to be trying to extract things from them. If you haven't figured it out, Rich is a very humble, modest dude. He's always been this way. So I'm going to have to try to pull this out. And um, to do that, I'm going to talk about some of the things that we talked about in the past. Now, one of them is that you've always said when you're a musician, a professional, you take the work whether it's a paying gig, a charity gig, 
or you know you're playing in front of five people whatever it is you do it and you put everything you have into it where did you learn that from and, and how has that helped you I learned it directly from my dad and he it just a work ethic he had growing up in Trenton at the time I think we talked about this too there was tons and tons of places to play there was two or three hotels at the time I'm talking going way back way way back when my parents were young and um, there was tons of work so you literally if when you join the union then you would do a parade you would do uh, a wedding you would do a club date you would do the symphony dates at the at the war memorial so you jumped all over and did this stuff and it just fostered a um, a work ethic that kind of said it's not like you just said a second ago. It's not about the money. If you can help somebody and get paid, that's great. If you're just getting paid, it's you got to pay the bills too. But you take everything because, um, and the way it's helped me is that by doing all those different things, by diversifying, you're really adding to your repertoire, to your resume. So, if you know, and I tell students that all the time, I say, you know, if your favorite is is rock or it's jazz or it's hip hop or whatever you like, that's great. But if you only do that, your, your knowledge is going to be pretty limited to just that. So expose yourself to all these things. Mm -hmm. And the other side of the coin is that while you're on one gig, you probably will get work to another gig. And sometimes it's in the most unlikely places. Um, this was kind of crazy. The other day I did a drum clinic at Ewing High, which was really surreal to go back there <laughs> too. A lot's changed and a lot's the same, but it was really cool. But... Um, I was telling a story about a, uh, a kid I knew um, that had, excuse me, that had done a gig on an off night in Philly at kind of a, it wasn't a dive club, but it was just a basic bar. He ends up playing like kind of a, it was kind of like a funk gig. And here it was like one of the producers who was working with John Legend was there. Mm. Saw him, ended up hiring him for a session, and here he gets a gold record out of, out of a session with John Legend. Mm -hmm. So you just never know, and I was trying to impress out upon all the students, like, you know, take anything that comes down and don't, don't, um, don't, I guess just, I guess the best way to say it is limit yourself at, especially at a younger age, because you're going to, you're going to cut off opportunities that you never know where they might lead, you know, and um, I really got that from my dad and it's just, it's just helped me in my career because I've been able to do a lot of different things. Mm -hmm. yeah. And let's stick with um, some of the, the, lot of different things that you've done. You know, I've shared a little bit about tonight uh, through my networks about, you know, some of the artists that you've performed uh, for. Um, why don't you just run down some of the ones that are most people would know about and, and that are a bit memorable for you? Yeah, so, um, I mean, starting with my dad's jazz group, that was a great training ground for um, just all that technique that, again, I would not have known. Um, and I came to it as a teenager, not really being in the jazz, but learned to appreciate it, you know, as an adult. Um, from there, it went to my early rock bands, and then, um, and, and like I said, I can't say enough how each gig has built to the next gig. Mm -hmm. So it went from early rock bands in, in the local area, Trenton, and then like PA, Philly area, and then, um, and then that turned in some like into some original work with an artist that was touring, and then uh, a friend of mine also I met in Philly. He was with another artist, and then we got to do like a world tour, you know, a U.S. tour a couple times. We went to Japan. Um, and then so like each one was really a stepping stone to the next gig mm -hmm. until finally um, I started working with an artist out of the shore. And we were opening up uh, for another artist that, that had a, a rhythm guitar player that was playing with Bon Jovi. That opened up a whole other set of 
doors and class of people and, and levels that, again, had I not been doing that gig, I would have never met that guy. So um, they're all sort of bridges that all build upon, you know, I, I did the Bon Jovi thing, then I worked with Springsteen, then I worked with Southside, uh, just some pickup gigs, uh, uh, like some benefit shows. Then uh, years later, I got a call for Steve Van Zandt. I already played with Bruce, but so it just is like the strangest thing. I did a tour with Hubert Sumlin from Howlin' Wolf's band. That mm -hmm. was like amazing. I got to talk to him and ask him about, you know, all those things, chess records in mm -hmm. Chicago. Mm -hmm. So that stuff's really important. And we've talked too about the history of all this stuff. Like the history is so vital to me because once all those people are gone, mm -hmm. the history's gone. And if we don't have an accurate account, or if someone doesn't write an autobiography or things like that, all that stuff they've done is, is lost with them, you mm -hmm. know? So, um, yeah, it, it's, it, and I play with a great blues player at the shore, Billy Hector, and that, mm -hmm. that's a ton of fun. Uh, Billy's a great guy, him and, him and Susan, his wife, and uh, we, do, we do blues gigs, and they're amazing, you know? And, and again, a no whole other repertoire uh, I wouldn't normally have done, but because of him, I know a whole bunch, so it's, mm -hmm. it's kind of neat. Mm -hmm. I'm speaking with Rich Scanella, um, professional musician, drummer. Um, you can check out his website, Rich Scanella, S C A N N E L A, Scanella.com. And there you can go through the laundry list of different uh, artists that he's performed with and for. In addition to that, you can uh, book him um, to come and do a drum clinic. Um, I know he'd love to sit down and talk to anyone, especially people who are aspiring to be musicians and particularly drummers as well. You're listening and watching the Trenton 365 show. We'll be back after a short break. And welcome back to the Trenton 365 show. In the studio with me now is professional musician, drummer, educator, and recent Ryder University graduate, Rich Scanella. Big up to my man, Rich, here. Um, Rich and I have known each other since, I mean, I don't know, seven, eight, nine years old or something like that. So almost 40 years. Um, his uh, family has always been extremely warm and pleasant. Uh, he's got amazing sisters. Um, uh, his mom and dad are just fantastic as well. God rest his soul on your father as well. Thanks. I was fortunate enough to sit down and interview him about some of his uh, music uh, history. Um, and we've got that stuff archived. And I'm hoping to, uh, once we get the Arts and Entertainment Hall of Fame popping, um, that audio will be in there as well. Um, you know, you said something earlier that was... Um, super touching and it was about the importance of um, the history mm. of all that we have and, and I think that our generation not unlike others I mean we grew up in a generation where there was so much that was happening like you know the technology was coming um, you know uh, we went through this period where everybody was making a whole bunch of money and there were so many cultural changes and I think when those things happen it's um, it exposes itself through the art so we grew up I believe in a time where we were exposed to so much. I mean, like literally, um, you know, we were listening to, you know, old jazz records, current rock stuff, pop stuff, um, soul and funk and R&B and all those things. And I, I really say that our generation, those who grew up in like the, um, you know, late 70s through the 80s, we were the ones who were kind of like just getting exposed to all these different genres of music. And I think that is continue to grow and I think there are more people who are doing that now like you see in elements of different artists who are blending different things especially some of the more more uh, well recognized faces and you were talking about the history and how do we get that information whether someone writes a biography or an interview um, what do you think would be from a musician's standpoint what do you think would be the best way to start capturing that kind of content 
from um, from the the people who've done all that work and who are getting up in age? Uh, that's a great question. I, I think I think what you just said, uh, interviews, talking to them, um, the teaching aspect is a great thing, and I've always loved doing it. Whether and I get I get to a lot of stuff in my lessons, just private lessons, we talk quite a bit. But um, you know, I'm doing it now in the classroom. And I've had a chance to sit in on some classes and, and actually lecture for some of them at, at, at Ryder. I had to do one from for graduate uh, from when I was graduating. They do a thing called a capstone uh, project, senior project you have to do. And I lectured for that class, which is which was interesting, uh, pop and rock class. But I think just I think just what you just said, you know, um, talking about it, interviews, um, teaching people. Uh, when when I did the the Hubert Sumlin tour with Billy. We toured Canada, and, and, and God bless his soul, too, with, with Hubert. He was, he was old and frail at the time. And I said to Billy, I said, Billy, does, does Hubert like to talk? Because I didn't want to bother him if he didn't. But he goes, he likes to talk. He'll talk. Well, I'm a really early riser. So I'd be at breakfast at, like, 8 o'clock in the morning, and him and his manager would come down, you know, guy who was, who was driving us. And so I'd say, hey, Hubert, what about, uh, what about Chess Records? And he'd tell a story about Chess or, or Howlin' Wolf. And he'd talk about touring and playing here. And, and, and it was just so enlightening because, you know, you're getting it from a firsthand source. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's um, I think, something that gets a little lost on younger people. You know, when I was a teenager, I didn't, I didn't get the importance of that or knowing that a lot of these, the jazz greats were dying off. Mm -hmm. You know, I got to see Dizzy Gillespie right before he died. And the night I was there, they made a CD. They recorded it live. And I grabbed the CD. But... Uh, I never saw Miles. I never saw Coltrane was, you know, died years before. But like, again, once those people were gone, and, and now we're losing all the rock and roll people, and it's and it's and now we're even to the point. Are at our age, Bowie's gone, Prince is gone, Michael Jackson's gone, uh, Tom Petty's gone. Yeah. It's like, wow, now it's getting, it's it's changing now, you mm -hmm. know, and um, it's a shame. So I think uh, any way we can do that, whether it's a book, an interview. Um, I, you know, and the great thing I always tell students too is we didn't have the advantage of YouTube or, the, or Google or, or any of that stuff. I, you know, you find a lot of stuff online that you would have never, it would have taken you years that research to go places or libraries or actually tour the actual place or try to make connections. But I do that now. I'll call people or I'll call up, you know, uh, uh, you know, somebody or an old, you know, a drum hero of mine and go, hey, I don't want lessons like, you know, snare drum rudiments but can I just sit down and interview and talk and that to me I'll pay for that yeah. I, I would have no problem paying for that because again once that person's gone you're not going to get that you know um, so someone that played the Fillmore East or the Fillmore West or the Grandy Ballroom in Detroit all those places and you're like the places are gone now they're disappearing so it's really a changing landscape I think in a lot of ways and um, and it's a shame I think like you said a second ago, we grew up in a time when all these things, you might have had a little bit of a separation. Now I think it's, you have all this crossover, mm -hmm. whether it's um, all different styles of music have, have crossed over or, or even people like Bowie or Prince that recognized decades ago the interaction of fashion and music and art and could be anything, you know. Um, Andy Warhol knew that, whether it was Basquiat mm -hmm. or Warhol or the Velvet Underground. So that whole thing, I think, while it's great nowadays that we have the um, all that interaction, I think it's also a different landscape in that clubs are different appearing, mm -hmm. record companies have disappeared, 
recording studios have disappeared, albums as we know them, CDs as we know them are gone. Mm-hmm. So that's a shame. So I think it's it's um, it's harder. You know, I did that gig with Stephen Van Zant, right? He's in the E Street Band. He plays in one of the biggest bands in the world. He tours stadiums when they tour, and here, you know, he was playing. He's playing a CD. We were t- uh, doing a show promoting his new CD, and he goes, "I don't know who's going to hear it because nobody buys unless you're Taylor Swift or Beyonce. Who's who's buying their CD? You know, yeah. ultimately nobody really sells CDs anymore, or, or should we say downloads, or what would be considered like a collection or uh, you know a group of songs. Now it's back to the '50s. You buy that single, or you buy a single or two, and you download it, and you got it, and that's it. So it's it's a really different time, you mm-hmm. know? Mm-hmm. It's a little strange. Mm-hmm. So that's concerning, but hopefully people will get it, and the younger generation will get it, and, and this will continue, you mm-hmm. know? Now, I know that you don't you don't have a crystal ball, and, um, you know, I know you, I'm expecting you to live a lot longer, just, <laughs> just like I am. So what do you kind of foresee happening? I mean, like, I know you're teaching, you know, young young folks uh, in a college setting, but also in private lessons. Um, what do you kind of feel is happening? What kind of energy are you feeling from, from your students and regarding music? That's that's another really really great question. I mean, I think the um, the uh, desire is there. You know, I had a student that was graduating two years ago, and another professor and I um, had, he had taken an interest in her. And I said, you know what? He told me she was writing her own song. So I said, uh, you know, my buddy Scott Randolph mm-hmm. has a recording student. I said, you know, this would be a really great opportunity. She's a young person. She, you know, she needs some help. She probably is coming out of college with debt. So I said, listen, I went to her and I said, "Um, if you want to do some of your songs, come up to my buddy's place. We'll record them. I'll play on them. He'll play on them. I'll produce it. It won't cost you a dime. So she goes, you would do that? That's incredible. So she was really excited about it, and she did. And we got three, like a little three-song sampler, Mm -hmm. and I kind of said, here's your your demo. Now go out in the world and kind of do your thing. But... um, uh, so I think I think the desire is, is definitely there, and there does seem to be an energy um, with with you know younger people that still want to do it. Mm. I think the mechanism of how you have to go about it has changed drastically. You know, whereas years ago, and maybe still today, if you can get a gig at a club, if you can pack a club, somebody's taking notice. Whether it's it's the ground level or the grassroots level of the club people, the club owner going, wow, they just put you know, uh, 500 kids in a club. Mm-hmm. Okay, now that's a movement. There's got to be something else happening if, if someone's doing it. The trouble is, I don't think that's happening as much. And I think it's much, I think while the world has become smaller with, with the internet and all the technology, I think in some ways it's easier, in some ways it's more difficult because we don't have A&R people walking around mm-hmm. going, hey, I'm going to sign your band or I want to see what you're about. So I think... You have to, in my opinion, or things I've done in my life, if an opportunity doesn't exist, create one. Figure out a way. If you can't get over the wall, go under it. If you can't go under it, go around it, go through it, whatever you have to do. So that's the, probably the biggest reason I don't like all the uh, American Idol mm. and all the TV shows that say win a contest and, and you're instantaneously famous. Mm-hmm. You know. So um, to me, it's about doing the work. And it's not about winning a contest. It's about it's about saying, "Well, I love it, and I'm going to do this regardless." And that's an important point, you know. It, winning a contest, you start at the top and you go this way. 
starting at the bottom, you learn your craft and you go this way. There's no place to go but up. You start here, there's no place to go, go but, but down. down. So that's my take on a little bit of that. Yeah. that that's that's a, that's a great that's a great way to put it. And uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna try to remember that and articulate it when other people start asking about wanting to start by winning a contest mm -hmm. and automatically getting that deal and getting all that exposure yeah. because like you said there's a lot of learning that when you start at the grassroots level you get that stuff you hone those yeah. skills you tighten up you get that professionalism you do and I'm not knocking anybody that's won the you know won a show yeah. or been on a show or had enough talent and, and guts to go up there in front of the whole country and and sing a song um, but I do think by doing that you're eliminating some steps that are key instrumental steps in in the craft and in doing what you you know um need to do you know to really be that type of artist mm -hmm. paying your dues basically that's right that's so, right so um we're, we got just a couple minutes left but i do want to make sure that that people understand what you have going on now so the rich Stanella group you're playing on a consistent regular yeah. basis local can you share about that yeah sure so you can check us out my website you just mentioned richscanella.com uh, two n's two l's and we are the last Friday of every month at Freddy's. Um, we are up at Puck in Doylestown, and we also play the Triumph Brewings in uh, both New Hope and uh, Princeton, New Jersey. So New Hope, PA, and over in Princeton. And uh, just last week, we played uh, first time out in Fire Island, uh, Long Island, which is cool. We got another show out there on the 27th of July. So we hope that'll be, uh, it was a great club and great people out there. So we hope that'll be a, a, a stop for us as well. But um, yeah, I don't, I try not to spread myself too thin with, with the band. I, I love just doing a handful of shows a month. We do three or four shows a month at the most. It's great. I still jump out and do other gigs with other people. And of course the, the, uh, the Kings of Suburbia with, uh, with uh, John Bon Jovi is great and also keeps us playing as well. So it's a, it's a great balance of, of all those different things. Awesome. Well, I'm glad you're in town. Uh, last time we tried to connect, I think you were off to Japan or something like that. But uh, it's always a pleasure to have you on the show, Rich. Um, Thanks, love sir. to have you back. Just keep me posted on what you're doing, and if I can support in any way, count me in. Thanks for having me, buddy. Uh, you're welcome. Rich Scanella has been my guest here. Please go to the website, Rich Scanella, S-C-A-N-N-E-L-L-A.com, richscanella.com. There you can find out where he's going to be playing and a bit more about his history. You've been listening and watching the Trenton 365 show. We'll see you next week, approximately 8 p.m. You can reach out to me via social media. Just look for Trenton 365. Have a great night.